and I'm really probably only going to touch the surface of it, is one of the absolutely essential keys to living the Christian life. Um, living a successful and victorious Christian life, I would add. Okay, so that's, you know, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not touching on just odd subjects here. This is fundamental for all of us in how we live and so that our lives are victorious and successful. Now, the world strives for this all the time. How can we be successful? And the reality of it is, is that, that there are some successful people. Now, the, the world that I'm very familiar with is, uh, as, as all of you know, is, is, is the world of football. Um, and one of the things that all football clubs are looking for is the key to success. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reality is, is that no club has ever dominated forever. Now, the, uh, uh, having supported Crystal Palace for, for the whole of my uh, life, as far as I'm aware, uh, I didn't quite grow up, I chose it at about the age of six or seven, I know what it's like to support a club that doesn't quite get it right most of the time. <laughs> we are currently going through a phase where actually we're quite successful. We're currently sixth in the championship. And no, the premiership. What am, I, what am I talking about? Going back to my old days. Uh, we won yesterday. I'm sure you want to know that. Uh, we had our best result two weeks ago that we've ever had. And we have a manager that everyone believes in. And, uh, and the sky's the limit for us. But I would be utterly foolish to believe that that is always going to be the case. Because managers and football owners have been looking since the Football League began for that key element that will make us successful. And it might last for a time. Chelsea, if any of you know, Chelsea last season, they won uh, the Premiership. Now they're very close to the relegation zone. Just one season later. What it, and they haven't changed much, the manager's still the same, but their key to success oh, is lost. They, they, they don't know what it is. They, they, something's missing, something's gone, and, and, they're, and they're, they're desperately trying to get it back. And the world's like that. They're looking for something that will make them successful. The Bible has the answer to how to live a successful life. And I want to look today at a story from the Old Testament that illustrates this really well. And it's a story from David. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of a background to it. Um, hopefully not too, uh, too long-winded, but just so you can get set a, a, a scene here. Okay, so uh, David has been anointed king. Um, but Saul is still on the throne. Saul was the king that was first uh, put in charge, but he went wrong. God rejected him and chose David. Now, for a time, and those who know the story will know this, for a time, David, once anointed, he came into uh, the palace with Saul uh, and was there with him. Uh, and he started to go out with the army. He became very successful. And Saul grew jealous and started to hate David, such that David had to <coughs> run away. He ran away and hid for a time. And in that time, he gathered around him some men who were also disgruntled and, and weren't happy with how things were going. And he formed a band of, 
of men with their families. Um, but during this time, Saul was trying to find him, trying to uh, get rid of him, trying to kill him, because he was a rival. Um, Saul hadn't appreciated that actually this was fruitless because uh, God had rejected him as king and chosen David. But nevertheless, uh, such was David's concern and uh, concern for himself and for his men. He decided that at, at one point that he, it was too dangerous for him to, to hide in Israel. And so he went to live uh, in the land of the Philistines. Now, this is, this is an odd thing to do. The Philistines were one of the arch enemies of Israel. He, but he felt this was the best place to go, so he went there. He managed to persuade the Philistine king that he was on their side. Uh, he tricked them into various, uh, uh, by various methods we won't go into, uh, so that the king believed that David was for him. And during this time, uh, he was also given a place to stay, the, the, the town of Ziklag uh, in the Philistine territory. Uh, he and his uh, men, and there was about uh, 600 of them, and their wives and families, and they settled in a town called Ziklag. Um, so that's the sort of background to this story. Now, what happened next uh, was that um, uh, Israel... Saul decided to go and fight the Philistines. Um, and so they came and, and uh, camped at some place, and then the Philistines decided, well, we need to go and meet them and fight back. And now this is where the story gets a bit complicated, because, because the Philistine king believed that David was on his side, he asked David to join him and said, actually, I want you to be my bodyguard while we fight Israel. Now this put David in a difficult situation. What was he going to do? Now the Bible says he immediately agreed. And so he took his 600 men, he left his town, and went with the Philistine king. Now David was now in a really difficult situation. The Bible doesn't say that he felt worried about this. He seemed to have had a plan. We're not told what that plan was. He was there. Maybe when the battle started, he would have turned and fought the king and defeated the Philistine king. That would have been a bit of a tricky one because God was about to defeat Israel. So God wasn't particularly on Israel's side at this point because of the, the problem with Saul. What David knew and what he didn't know, we're not told. He was in an awkward situation which he had sort of gone into. In one sense, there was something then happened which made it easier for David. Although the king, the Philistine king, trusted David, his commanders of the army didn't. And they went to the king and said, what is he doing here? Do you know what? If we go into battle against Israel, he's going to turn on us. Send him home. Now the king didn't want to do this, they argued for a bit, and eventually he went to David and said, look, this isn't going to work. I trust you. But these guys don't. You better go home. Okay, that's where we're going to pick up the story. So it's <coughs> one Samuel, one Samuel, twenty nine, and verse. 
Verse 11 says there, So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel to meet the Israelites. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Just imagine the scene, if you can. David had gone on what was best a a dodgy uh, assignment. He'd gone, taken all his men, left the city unguarded, and was eventually sent back. And he came back to this. His city destroyed, his town destroyed, his wives, his, his wives, his family, his children, and the wives of his, uh, uh, his men all taken captive. He was probably in the most trouble that David had ever been in. And he was now facing, what do I do? What's going to happen? What? He must have been, and the men must have been, in desperate straits. And in fact, if we read on, we read that. In verse 4 it says, uh, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahimanoah of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. You see, things had gone desperately wrong for David and his men. They were in a situation that they couldn't do anything about at that point. They were desperate. They were desperate. They were in a really, really bad and low way. The Bible doesn't hide us from the fact that disaster happens from time to time. This was a disaster. And really, if you look through the whole of David's life, this was probably the worst disaster he had or would ever face. You see, at the time, he had no idea what had happened to these families. Now, the Bible says none of them were killed. Obviously, there was none there. But, of course, David and his men at that time would not have known that. They would not have known what had happened. They noticed that the, the place was burned down. They noticed no one was there. But they had no idea what, what happened to them. And you can imagine the thoughts going through their minds. Now, you see, at this point, this point, this is where the secret of living the Christian life needs to kick in. But for David's men, that didn't happen. And it says there, David was greatly distressed. And this is in verse 6. Because men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Not only was this disaster happening, not only did this all right, but suddenly the men, after weeping and crying and think, suddenly turned on David. It's your fault, David. It's your fault. Now this was, this was a bit difficult for David to take because he had taken these men 
who were disillusioned and disgruntled, and he'd formed an army with them. He had enabled them to get uh, wives and children. He'd given them this town. He was the reason why they were successful up until this point. But now, because of what they had had been taken away, they turned on David and said, this is your fault, David. And do you know what? So often, in these circumstances, when we face difficulties and trials and problems, one of our first reactions is, who's to blame? Who's to blame? If you've been doing uh, Kylo, this uh, Keep Your Love On, you will uh, have been, this is what we do on a Thursday, uh, you will have uh, remembered the concept that was given of the victim and the bad man. Or the baddie, or the, uh, the, yeah, the, bad, the bad person. I don't remember which bad guy. guy. Bad guy. Guy. Guy's American. Right. <laughs> Not all bad uh, Americans are bad guys, but anyway, it's not what I meant. Okay, so you've got the, the concept of a victim and the bad guy. And when we get into these situations, when we, when we find ourselves in a situation that we can't deal with, that we are feeling oppressed by, that we are sad, that we are in a disaster, so we look for the bad guy. Who has caused this to happen to me? And for David's men, it was David. And you're the problem, and we're going to deal with the problem. That wasn't going to deal with the problem. In fact, if they carried out what they wanted, it made the situation far worse. But that's not the point, is it? You want to look for some bad guy. You want to blame them, because I'm a victim here. I have been put in a situation of not my making, and it's your fault. And we can so easily do that. In those situations, we can look and say, you know, and who do we blame? Well, all sorts of people get blamed. When things happen to us that we're not happy about, we can blame our bosses at work. We can blame our partners, our husbands, or our wives. We can blame our children. We can blame the church. We can blame our church leaders. If, you had, if you'd done things differently, I wouldn't be like this. It wouldn't be like this. And I've seen that. I've seen it happen. There's all sorts of people we can blame because we're just helpless victims. David could have said, it's my fault. I blame myself. If only I hadn't done this. If only I hadn't gone with... What a stupid idea. What a, what a silly thing I did. Well, why would I do that? This is my fault. He could have said that. And you could argue, well, yeah, David, what's your fault? Now, what I don't know, because the Bible is silent on it, is did David do something foolish? Should he have gone? Well, in hindsight, probably not. But actually, the Bible doesn't say David shouldn't have done this. It doesn't say that. And do you know what? The reason it doesn't say it is when the Bible is silent on something, we mustn't add in bits. Do you know what? The Bible doesn't say whether he was foolish or not. And do you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, in this instance, it doesn't matter. Because whether it was foolish to do it or not, the response has to be the same. You see, we can get to a point where we blame ourselves, we think we've done something stupid, and we go into a, a, a shell and we, and we beat ourselves up and we have a go at ourselves. 
And do you know what? That's pointless. Because there is one key here that David understood more than anyone else, and this is the, the thing that David did at the end of, of, of verse 6. I'll read it out again. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. You see, what David understood, what David knew, was that this was a situation he couldn't possibly cope with. He didn't spend time analysing how did we get here Who is to blame? He didn't spend time thinking about, let's go through my emotions, what's going on here? He just said, I can't cope with this. I need to get to someone who can. I need to get to that person who through the years I have understood will be the strength of my life. And so David's first reaction after going into mourning and crying was to I need to find God. I need to find God. I can't work out whether it was my fault or whether who's to blame. I can't work that out. It, it really doesn't matter whether it, you know if it was my fault. Fine. If it wasn't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to find strength in God. I'm not going to argue this one out. I'm not going to work this out. And if my men can't do that, that's fine. I'm going to do this. And this, can I say, is one of the fundamental keys to living a successful and victorious Christian life is that we know how to find strength in God. That we know that at the difficult times, at the times when things have gone wrong, we don't start looking for solutions ourselves. We don't, don't start looking for a bad guy to blame. We run into the presence of God and say, God, I need your help. I need strength from you. How had David come to this point? How was he able to do this? You see, I I can't think of a worse situation. I can't think of a situation that could be much worse than this. Coming home, can you imagine? You've gone away with your neighbours and you've come home and your house is burned down. You know there was people up the street that weren't very happy with you, but you still left. And your, your family has been kidnapped and, and, and your house is burned down and you're thinking, how can you cope with this? Now, the reason David could cope with this is because over the years... Whenever situations had arisen, however small, he had learned that secret. He talks about it. When the lion came, when the bear came, God helped me. He gave me strength. He knew that at the time when he was in the field as a young lad looking after the sheep, there was a situation arose. He knew that he needed God's help. He needed strength to deal with this situation. So he ran to God, and God helped him. And so he came to Goliath. He he fought there with the the bear. He fought the lion. He's going to fight this guy, isn't he? Now, this is a bigger situation. This was an army. This was was a a more tricky thing than a lion and a bear. But the principle held. I went to him, he strengthened me. I went to him, he strengthened me. He's going to do it again. 
So when he faced Goliath, he said, well, God did it before. God, God was strengthening me there. I found strength in him that I'm gonna, it's going to happen again. And now, a situation, I would argue, even worse than Goliath, and you can imagine him thinking, right, he did it with the lion, he did it with the bear, he did it with Goliath, he'll do it again. So one of the keys is in our life is to learn in the small things not to try and work it out ourselves because some of these times we can situations and we through effort and, and try, we can try and sort ourselves out and we can find someone to blame and we can have a go at them we can deal with that uh, and it seems to be okay but actually that, that, that's no good as we learn through our lives and we go to God at each and every time, we say, God, this is a situation I'm struggling with. I'm feeling that I've been hurt by somebody. I, I could go and have a go at them. That would make me feel better. I, I could have a go at the bad guy. Or I could just withdraw myself from them and I could, you know, I, I, that's how I'll cope with this. I'll just withdraw myself. They've been nasty to me. I'll withdraw that will help me. I'll, I'll, I'll build a barrier around myself. I can, I can cope with this. And see, once we start doing that, once we start finding our own solutions, then when we get to the more diff- difficult ones, which we can't find the solutions, we just cave in. But when we find a difficult situation, we say, no, no, that's not, that's not the way. I need to find strength in God here. I need to go to God. I need to find Him, and I find His solution. I want to find his strength. And as we learn to do that in the small things, so that when big things come, we're not shaken. We're not thrown off course. I'm amazed that David wasn't thrown off course here. But it's because he had a history. He had a history of running to God and saying, God, I need your strength. I want to do this well. I want to do this right. The other thing which is linked to that is he remembered what God was like. He remembered what God was, has done. One of the key things for me in my Christian walk is to remember how God has been with me through the years. Yeah. It's so important that we recall to mind the goodness of God. All the time. I can remember, and I've told this testimony before, at the age of... 13, God speaking to me in, uh, when I was on a school journey and speaking truth into my life. When I was feeling vulnerable and feeling, God, where are you? I remember that as a time when God breaks in because he hasn't changed. And I remember a time God speaking to me at a conference and helping me with, with a situation that I was facing. And I remember him breaking in. I remember him speaking to my wife. Uh, about mother and I remember him speaking to to my children about bits and pieces I remember these things and I remember that actually God breaks in at those times and I recall them to mind so that when I'm facing something else I think well he did it then he was faithful then and he was faithful then so do you know what he's going to be faithful now the writer of Lamentations which is a book that is heavy going (laughs) says that this I will recall to mind because of the great the Lord's great love 
we are not consumed. It's a, it's, a, it's a book that goes into how desperate a situation is. And yet I'm going, to re- I'm going to recall things to mind, and I have hope. Yes. I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, I'm not consumed. I'm going to be okay. I remember his love. I remember what it was like. I recall it to mind. He was faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. The other thing which I love about that phrase, which, which is, not, is not common, the writer Samuel says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. He doesn't say that about many people. It's the God of Israel. He didn't say he even found strength in the God of Israel. Because David knew God personally. So Samuel writes, he found strength in the Lord his God. This was a personal relationship that David had. David was anointed uh, with oil, but in that he was also anointed with the Holy Spirit. And one of the key elements of finding strength in God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals that we are sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit reveals that God is our loving Father. And so as we dwell, and we were praying about this this morning in the, in the prayer meeting, it's a wonderful place just to be filled afresh with the Spirit uh, and to meet with Him, is that that is so vital for us. Because when we know that He's not just a distant God who sent His Son, yeah, He saved me, yeah, it's great, yeah, but He's somewhere distant. When we know He's my Father... You see, then we get over the problem of, it was my fault. You see, one of the problems we have sometimes is that we think, I've got myself into this mess. David could have thought, I've done this myself. I've got myself into this mess. How can I go to God now? How can I go to God? Because he's just going to say, well, you got yourself into that, didn't you? Better sort that out. It's your own fault. Now, as a parent... We do try and teach our children, don't we? And when they get into scrapes that, that we've done, then when they've done something that we've told them not to do and they've got into trouble at school, we say, oh, wow, you deserved that, didn't you, really? But when they're in genuine distress, when even if it's their own fault, when they're genuinely distressed, you can, and you can tell a child's genuine distress, it's something you learn quite early as a parent, from that whining noise that comes sometimes. When they're in genuine distress, what do you do? Well, you pick them up and you comfort them. Regardless of how they've got into it, regardless of the mistakes they've made, as a loving parent, you're just going to say, it's okay. I realise you're in great distress now. I'm not going to start saying, oh, I told you so. No, no, that's not, that's not appropriate. They need comfort. They need support. They need strength from you. And that's what you do as a loving parent, even if it's their own fault. See, that's what God does for us. He is much, much better than us. And when we get into situations and we, and we do stupid things, which all of us do, and we do foolish things, God, and we get into a bad situation, 
we should still and we must still run to a loving Father who will come for us. Who won't reject us. Who won't say, well, no, you can't come here because I told you not to do that and you did it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. <coughs> and so often we try and work it out and think, well, how do I, how do I explain to God why I've done this? How can I, okay, let me get myself right. Let me, let me sort myself out. Let me, let me recognise, let me come and, and say, you know, David wasn't, I don't know whether David went through it. I hope he did. I don't think he did. The Bible doesn't say he did. He just ran into God and said, God, I don't understand the situation. I need your help. I need you. And in that place, he got comfort. He got support. He got strength. Because that's what God does. Now, there may be a place in that, in that moment when we're in the presence of God to say, God, I got it wrong. I repent of that. But you know what? It's, the Bible tells us it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And godly sorrow comes from his presence. Not before. We don't get godly sorrow somewhere away from him. As we run into his arms, as we run to him, as we say, God, I need your help. I've made a mess. I need your help. God comes and comforts and strengthens and then reveals to us, actually, I was foolish and I'm sorry. But it's in his presence that happens. Not away from him. And it's right. And, and God doesn't want us to beat ourselves up for days and days to think, well, oh, you know, and then to somehow think, well, look, if I, if I really feel bad... See, David didn't, didn't say look, look, to his men, okay, yeah, I, I messed up, I, I really I feel bad, I, you know, I've got this wrong, I, you, know, I, you know, I understand why you want it, you know, and, and you're justified and all this. He didn't try and take the burden or the punishment on himself. You see, the wonderful truth is, is that even for the mistakes we make now, as children of God, they have already been paid for. And if we start to try and take that on ourselves, if we try and beat ourselves up to, to make us more worthy to enter the presence of God, we're taking away what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. He took everything. He took everything. He took what we, our mistakes before we knew him, and he took our mistakes after we knew him. He took our failings before and after. And so if, if we try and beat ourselves up and say, God, I can't come into your presence, I can't find strength in you until I've sorted myself out, we're nullifying what Jesus has already done. So whatever the reason, if we've got into a mess because we've done foolish things, run to him. Run to him. You can sort out... That later, you can sort of, it's not to say, I don't want to belittle repentance, it's vital, it's really important. But let's not get the things in the wrong order. We come to him. We come and say, Lord, I've messed up, I need your help. And a loving father will embrace us. Yeah, he may, he may lead us and say, actually, look, you need to stop doing this, don't you? Fine. But in his presence, that's where that happens. Not away from him. And so David, whatever the reason, whether it was right or wrong, he found strength and he just came to God. The successful, the wonderful men of God that we look at throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, learned this secret. Moses, leading the people out of encountered God, found strength in God, came up the mountain, met with God. David, Jesus himself. He was a man. 
He learned what it was to find strength in his God. He went away and prayed. He, he took himself away. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He communed with God because he needed strength. He needed that strength from God to live the successful life. Paul, another one, understood what it was to, to steal away and find strength in his God. At all circumstances. As he came into the presence of God, hope was stirred. If you look at the next verse. So then David said to Abitha the priest, the son of uh, Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abitha brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. What was good was that when David went into his presence, he was comforted. He is the God of all comforts. He, uh, he got hope. The word of God said, you will rescue them. And that was the first time he would have known his family was still alive. That was the first time he would have known, actually, it's not all a complete disaster. The word of God came and suddenly hope sprung in his heart. And as, as David entered the presence of God, comfort came and hope came. And that will always be the case. He is the God of all comfort, he is the God of all hope. And when we face disaster, whether of our own making or completely outside anything that, that we could have had influence on, when we go into his presence, we get strengthened uh, with comfort and hope. Now, David still had to go and find them, fight them and get them back. He didn't come out of his presence and everything was solved. And so often we go into the presence and say, God, sort it out. And God doesn't do that most of the time. What he does do is he gives us comfort and he gives us hope. And then later on, or straight away, he also gave strategy. He said, right, you can pursue them, you will overtake them, and you will rescue them. He gave strategy. And so often in the presence of God, in my experience, is that I go there in a, with a situation that I can't cope with and God will speak. And I'll come out, the, come out of the presence of God and the situation hasn't changed but my outlook and the way I'm going to deal with it has completely changed. Yeah. I remember a situation, I'm not going to go into details and I'm embarrassing people, where uh, we were facing a difficult, a difficult situation and I went into the presence of God and I came there and God, oh, what God said to me was love them. Love them. And suddenly my attitude towards these people had changed completely. And suddenly the, my desperation with the situation changed because hope came. And suddenly all I, all I felt with God to say was that he, he brought me comfort, he brought me hope and he brought me strategy. The situation hadn't actually changed. I just knew how to deal with it. And sure enough, breakthrough took place. 
And so often we try and work these things out ourselves and we, we, we take it on ourselves and we think, I can, I'll, I'll deal with this. And suddenly, if you do that, it makes it ten times worse. Because I remember thinking, I could, I could do this, I could say this, I could deal with this. And I was realising that this just was making things far worse. And I was thinking, oh, you know, surely this, this will work, or that will work, or I'll do this. And, 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 and actually, in his presence, God said, yeah, what are you doing? Just nothing. Oh, well, I thought that one. And, and, God, and God has strategies for dealing with every situation that you find. He'll breathe hope into your life. He'll give you strategies for dealing with it. There might be a situation at work that you're struggling with and, and, and you, you, you're, you, know, you can't get through and, 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 and it's, it's difficult. And in the presence of God, you want it to go away. But God doesn't say it goes away. I'm going I'm to help you live in this situation. I'm going to give you strategies. I'm going to help you work that through. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes he just supernaturally just gets rid of it. But actually, in my experience, that is not the norm. He gives us strength to live triumphantly and victoriously in it and through it. And we look back, and they then, that then becomes another trophy. Look what God did. Look what God did. So that when the next thing comes, I can say, actually, look what he did there. Look how he brought us through. Look how he overcame. Yeah, this is going to be the same. And as we, as people of God, learn what it is to find strength in God, as we get these battles, so we get stronger and stronger. You see, so often, and it's sad to see, is that people haven't built this up and they get, a, they get hit by something. And even Christians that have been alive for, you know, Christians for many years, they get hit by a, a sudden bit of bad news and it knocks them completely. And you think, why has that happened? I thought you were strong. I thought, I thought you could cope. I thought, I thought you knew God. And yet it's because over the years they, they've learned their own strategies. Instead of recognising, I can't do this. See, David was an amazing man of God, but he was also a person who recognised he's utterly, utterly weak. And he, he, he was the strongest, most wonderful king ever, but he recognised that I can't do this without God. I can't do this without God. In him, I am strong. And so David's... Time after time, said, right, I'm not going to work this out myself. God, you, you give me strategy. I'm going to find strength in you. I'm going to come into your presence and I'm going to, I'm going to find what you want to do. I want to find your hope. I want to find your ideas. And as he did that, so he became a mighty man. A mighty man. As, as did Moses, as of course did Jesus. You say, oh, we're Jesus with God. But actually, he lived as one of us. And I think, you know, we struggle with that. Oh, you know, he's man, God, you know, whatever. He, he lived the same way that we lived. He got strength in God. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that's the way he lived his life. And that's why we can look to him and say, actually, I'm going to get strength from you, Jesus. I can look at you and see how you lived, see how you behaved, see what you did in these situations. And I can, I can model that. I can do that. Yeah, so just to just to, to, to finish really, I've gone on a bit. 
One of, the, one of the keys to living a successful Christian life is to learn the secret of going to God and finding strength in him. We can do that as we worship. We do that as we remember. See, David was a great one for worshipping. I haven't had time to look at this, but what, what, when you read through the Psalms, and this is really important, is that when David came into the presence of God, he didn't necessarily come with all very good lines of worship songs. He went into the presence of God and said, God, I've got a complaint. Help me. Where are you? That's the wonderful thing about the Psalms, is that you, you, David just poured out his heart. He said, I'm, I'm pouring out my complaint to you, God. I'm complaining. Uh, what's going on? Uh, why is this happening? That's fine. That is absolutely fine. Just go, don't worry about the words you're going to use. Don't try and work it out. Don't try and think, no, we want to go to the presence of God. I need to, I need to have a certain format. David never had a format. He was in a difficult situation. God, help! Blah. But if you read those through, they're so helpful at times to, to understand how David got into the presence of God. It's remembering what he's done. Build up that back catalogue, if you like, of wonders of God in your life. Don't forget them. And then when you come up against the next thing, because it will happen. I don't want to frighten you. You know, we, we, ex, we extol the glories of God, but life isn't all straight sometimes. Things will happen. You know, but God is there. And as we build up those things, so that next time we'll say, no, he, he will take me through it. He will take me through it. And the other thing is, don't come away from God because you think it's your fault. I feel that it's particularly here today. There'd be some people, and I've, this has been on my mind, is that some people have resisted coming to God and finding strength in Him because you know you've messed up. You know it was your fault. You know you've done something you shouldn't have done. And God's word to you today is, run to Him. He's a loving Father. He will comfort you. He won't reject you. He won't blame you. He won't point the finger and say, I'm not... I, I don't like you anymore because you've done that. No, he won't say that. And maybe that's what you're thinking. And God says, no, come back to me. Yeah, you may have something to learn. That's fine. In my presence, you can learn it. Not away from me. In my presence. In, when you experience my love. When you know the, the comfort and joy of God around you. Then maybe you can learn that lesson. And you won't do that again. That's what God wants for us and his people. Let me just pray. I just want to just be quiet for a moment. And uh, if you know that that was you, that you've run away from God because you felt foolish, because you know you've done something wrong, right now in your heart, right now in your heart, just say, God, I, I run back to you. I run back to you. I present my mess. I present what, what the situation I'm in to you and say, God, I can't, I can't work this out, but Lord, help me. Strengthen me. Give me hope. Give me comfort. Give me strategy that I may work this through with you in your strength and see, see the way forward. Run to him right now.
And if you know you're someone that has in a situation that's been painful and you've blamed someone, and you've, you've been looking for someone to blame, you've been looking for the bad guy, then God says, turn away from that and come to me. Come to me because I'm giving you strength. You're not just a victim. You're a strong man in God. You're a strong woman in God. And you'll find strength in me. You'll find strength in me to deal with that situation. Don't blame someone. Don't, don't find a bad guy. Don't, don't put the blame on someone. Don't put the blame on yourself. Come to my presence. Find strength in me. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for the times you have helped me, God. Lord, the times that I have known your deliverance, Lord, how you've strengthened me in those moments. And that, Lord, thank you that you are a faithful, loving Father. That, Lord, whatever life happens in the future, God, you will always be there, Lord, and that, Father, I can rely and trust in you. And, Lord, as the I pray, God, that we would be those that always run to you and find strength in you. And that, Father, Lord, that we would just not be those that are ashamed and stay away, but, Lord, just enjoy the comfort and the hope that you bring and the strength that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.